0: Hello, my dear listeners. You've found your way to counter-melody, and I couldn't be more delighted to welcome you to my podcast. Once again, and as always, I'm your host, Daniel Gundlach, and I'm here to present to you the finest exponents, both renowned and less well-known, of the art of song. Sometimes it just seems as if the world has turned completely upside down, but it is my fervent hope, even in these difficult times, That the artists I present here may brighten our path with their luminous voices and inspire us on our search toward a better and more hopeful future. And now, this week's episode. Hi, everyone. I have got such a special episode for you today. It's another one of my listeners' favorites. And so you know there's going to be a wonderful introduction, and today's is longer than usual, but it's super special because it features my very, very dear friend Previn Moore, who's going to speak about his favorite episode. And it's a suitable end to both the Forgotten Divas series that I've been publishing this month and to my Black History celebration for the year 2024. Now let me tell you a little bit about Previn Moore. I'm just reading off of his biography here that he sent me. Born and raised in Cincinnati, Ohio, American tenor Previn Moore's early artistic education began at age 11 when he was accepted at the prestigious School for Creative and Performing Arts. It was there he developed a deep love and passion for musical theater and opera. Upon graduation at age 18, he received a scholarship to attend Indiana University, majoring in vocal performance, where he studied with bass baritone Roy Samuelson and participated in master classes with tenor James King. From there, he went on to be a young artist at the Virginia Opera, where he debuted at age 24 as Beppe in Leoncavallo's Pagliacci. In 1989, he signed a contract with the theatre in Lüneburg, Germany, where he remained for five seasons singing opera, operetta, and musicals. He has performed in opera houses and theatres throughout... I can never say that word... throughout Germany, Austria, and Switzerland, including Zanktgallen the Gärtnerplatz in Munich, the Volksoper in Wien, Oper Graz, the Theater des Westens, and the Musikalische Komödie in Leipzig. His repertoire spans the range from Nemorino in Elisir d'Amore to the Roasted Swan in Carmine Burana to Bernstein's Mass, which he sang at the Concert House in Vienna under the baton of Dennis Russell Davies, the roles of Judas and King Herod in Jesus Christ Superstar, and the lead in Ain't Misbehavin'. He can be heard as Robbins, the Crabman, and the Honeyman in Nikolaus Honokur's recording of Porgy and Bess. His most recent theatrical venture was the German premiere of the musical Letters from Ruth by Norwegian composer Gisle Kwerntok. It just won four prizes out of seven nominations at the Deutsche Musikaltheater Preisverleihung, which is the German version of the Tonys. One of the awards was Best Musical, which was quite a feat for a relatively small scale musical which was produced at the Musical Frühling in Gmunden, Austria. Previn Moore is currently in his 19th year teaching at the Music and Arts University in Wien, and I am lucky to call him my friend. Previn and I can and do often sit and debate singers in a friendly way, at least almost always in a friendly way. From the very beginning of this podcast, I knew that I wanted to somehow get him on here to engage and delight us with his wonderful descriptions and storytelling. So here he is to introduce his favorite episode of counter melody david and i were just in vienna and you know, oh. we had a wonderful reunion with previn and the week before that we had uh, made a recording of uh, previn's introduction to his listeners favorite episode of counter melody but because of negligence and ignorance on my part we ended up with an unusable audio so we are redoing it the morning after our happy reunion at lunch I am delighted to once again re-encounter this morning my dear buddy, <laughs> Trevon
1: Moore. Well, I'm very happy oh. to be here, Daniel.
0: So I think, as I explained to you, and as I think you know, in January, because I wanted a month off, I got the brilliant idea of recycling some of those 200 odd episodes that I had already produced of the podcast. And what I did was I inquired of friends who I knew were also listeners to the podcast who might be interested in introducing their favorite episodes. And I brought that up with you. And you had a fabulous idea, and I want to turn the mic over to you, and you can tell us about your choice, and then we will discuss these persons that we are featuring on this episode.
1: Well, first of all, Daniel, I'd like to say that I consider myself very lucky, as all of your listeners, that you have chosen to remaster or or recycle some of your earlier podcast episodes. It took me a while to figure out which episode, because there are so many (laughs) that I adore, but there was one special one. And as I said, when we talked earlier, I was a little hesitant, but you encouraged me to expound and explain about this particular episode that I'm going to introduce um, Why would you have been hesitant? Can you explain? I, I don't know. Maybe because I have personal connections to both of the featured artists on this recording. Don't keep us in suspense.
0: Do so tell. tell. Do all. tell.
1: So, drum roll I chose Williams and Williams, that is Camilla Williams and Janet Williams both of whom I knew and know and love very, very dearly. When I was 18 and doing my entrance exam for Indiana University, I walked into the room and there were many people that I did not know about four, very famous people, including Nicola Rossi-Lemani and my beloved teacher, Roy Samuelson. Norwegian base. And there was one person that stood out in the entire room. And this woman was Camilla Williams. And when I saw this woman, I immediately identified greatness. I immediately saw diva. I had never quite seen anything like this before. She was dressed to the nines with a beautiful turban and a Chanel suit. And I just thought, I have to meet this woman. I hope I get accepted, that I can meet this woman.
0: Mr. Samuelson was not yet your teacher. He became now, your teacher.
1: He became my teacher after that. Miss Williams was not my official teacher. But when I was accepted then at Indiana University in the voice department, as I said, Roy Samuelson was my main teacher. But I was always... Fascinated to know more about Miss Williams. And so, one of the first projects I did, I had to do an English paper on a subject which was close to me. I chose to do a lengthy interview with Madam Williams. I approached her. I said, Miss Williams, would you be interested in telling me a little bit about your journey and story? Boy, she told me a lot, and we became really, really dear friends, and she became a mentor, kind of a mother figure for me, as she did with most students, but I could say tried to do with most of the Black students, to talk to them and mentor them and give advice.
0: I'm just this... to interrupt, rather, for one second, President, because Go ahead. Go ahead. I do believe that Miss Williams was the first African-American teacher at IU in the voice department. Is that correct? You are,
1: you are very correct, Daniel. And uh, that was
0: just one of many ways in which she was a trailblazer. Exactly. And I think exactly. you can give us a little bit more background on that, too. In
1: 1977, she was to come to Indiana University and become the first African-American professor of voice. She had taught previously in New York at Brooklyn College, Queens College, to expound a little bit on Miss Williams' history and her impact on the opera scene. She was born in Danville, Virginia in the year 1919, and she became acquainted with music at a very, very early age. As most black people do, because we grow up in church. Music is a very important part of the black church. It's what holds us together. The church first, and then music, and then food. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. So somewhere between nine and twelve, she was given a copy of the aria Un Bel-Di. And she did not know at that time that this was to be her fate. She went to college at Virginia Commonwealth. I I think that's what it was called at that time. I think it's now called Virginia State in music education with an emphasis on vocal performance. Then ended up teaching music in the school system.
0: In those days, for aspiring Black singers, the operatic stage was, in the U.S. at least, completely closed. Exactly. And uh, so one might have a career singing concerts and, and recitals, but even that was a stretch. There exactly. There were a handful of singers.
1: In that era. And, were- and, and I will just interject, you have really said it all, because the opportunities were few and far between one did not aspire to go further. One could dream it, hope it, but it was something that it just wasn't done. And you were trying to also make a living. Of course, there's another great singer, Marian Anderson, who was starting to branch out. And of course, her very famous concert before the Lincoln Memorial. This is a very, very, very big turning point in the careers and thoughts of black musicians. I say that about Miss Anderson to tie it into Miss Williams because in 1944, 43 or 44, Miss Williams became the first recipient of the Marian Anderson scholarship. She won it two consecutive years and with that she was able to uh and begin
0: uh, concertizing a bit more. Is exactly. That correct? Exactly.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: But then a mentor came along for her, and who was that?
1: Well, her teacher, Madame Freshel. This was one, yeah. and then she was giving a concert. Sitting in the audience was Geraldine Farrar.
0: She was a superstar at the Met. Followers were called Jerry Flappers. She sang all the big roles, including Butterfly, Butterfly, ex- ex- like exactly. Caruso.
1: She heard Miss Williams in concert, and she said something to the effect of, when I heard this young woman, I was not prepared for what I heard. After that, she endorsed and stood for Miss Williams and pushed for her to get management, and then things really started to take off.
0: And so what can you tell us about this triangle, this Madama Butterfly, Geraldine Farrar, Camilla Williams? How did that all come to fruition? Well, all of it, it comes
1: that- to Miss Williams got an offer from New York City Opera to be a part of the ensemble, which was a first in American history that a person of color had received an offer like that Correct. a standing contract a member of the ensemble in a major, prominent US, major opera user, US opera company right and Indeed, what year was a 1946 miss williams debut was madama butterfly there was all kinds of press that this young black woman was going to make a debut at the new york city opera it was not all received totally well. This news that she was going to debut there. There were even bomb threats, but that did not happen.
0: And we do also know that yes. her Pinkerton protested right. having to sing with her and
1: it refused combat, to right? physical have physical contact with her in the love duet. But for Miss Williams, it was a brilliant success. She received fabulous reviews. And from there, the rest of the history, she started touring. I'll just
0: mention also that uh, some of the musical selections on this episode include a rare album that she made for MGM Records of spirituals, yes. which is not generally available on the Internet. But I think I have five or six of those spirituals on that episode. So that's a chance for people to hear what she sounded like right around that time. I think she went on to sing at City Opera. She sang Marguerite in Faust, Mimi, Mimi Nedda, um,
1: and, um, and, and uh, Aida. And, Aida. and uh, she did many, many tours for the State Department representing our country. And America, Europe, Central America, Asia as well. Didn't she do Asia? Quite as well? a few different State Department tours. She was in Europe also. She sang at all the major musical festivals. And she sang at
0: the Wiener Staatsoper
1: In Vienna. And she was, I believe, the first person of color to sing a major role at the Wiener Staatsoper. It was
0: either Butterfly or Pamina, and now I can't remember.
1: It was Butterfly. Okay.
0: If she did or did not sing Pamina, I think it's time that we transition, if you will, to the other Williams on this episode. And who might that be? As if we Um, didn't know.
1: My friend, my confidant, my dear, dear, dear sister, sister friend, I should just say that sister friend, Janet Williams, who I met during our studies at Indiana University. We became friends and performed together as a pair in several productions at Indiana University. Janet and I did many things there together. One, we were Don Otavio and Donna Anna. We also did scenes from the life of a martyr, which is from another trailblazing Black woman composer named Undine Smith Moore.
0: I'm just going to jump in and say that there is a selection on the the Janet Williams portion of this episode where Mm -hmm. Janet gives a performance of an arrangement of the spiritual
1: Watch and Pray. Watch and
0: Pray by Undine Smith Moore. By Undine Smith Moore. This was written for and introduced by Janet's teacher,
1: Camilla Williams, right. This and is it all. Janet is
0: together. always quick to point out to people she did study with Miss Williams, but she always says to people they just happened to share a last name, but they were not actually related. Although exactly. I think she definitely became a mother figure to Janet as she did to so many people.
1: Oh my God. And Janet was like her in so many ways. Let me say this. Janet is a classy, classy lady. And she always had fine taste in clothing, just like Miss Williams. They were maybe somehow built a little bit the same way. It's a very interesting thing that they are not related, but on so many levels, they are related. Yeah, Miss Williams was uh, Janet's beloved teacher. Janet was, is a wonderful soprano. And uh, always has been, and oh, a magnificent one teacher one them, to top it off, which we cannot say about everybody. Everybody that can sing is not a great teacher, and everyone that is not a great singer is not a bad teacher. You,
0: Sometimes both of those traits are carried in a single are person intertwined
1: by in by one, one person.
0: Simply say that that applies to both of the Williams of the women that here on the episode. Exactly.
1: Exactly. Janet had a brilliant career, and I was fortunate enough to see Janet sing in many, many productions uh, at the Berliner Staatsoper, where she was a member of the ensemble for 10, 12 seasons. It was amazing. I saw Janet sing Kamina. I saw Janet sing Rosina. I saw Janet and heard her in the magnificent production Le Padre Cesare. from ground.
0: And I think you also saw her. You were singing as Sophie in Rosenkavalier.
1: Oh, I did. I did. I saw her as Sophie. I saw her as Zaida *Mozart*. I heard many, many recitals from Janet, and it was pure joy. Not only because. Her voice and presence is so beautiful, but just be- because I know her, I'm we just are going still to friends. Jump
0: in to tell, Go ahead, uh, Go ahead. nurse. I think they already know. But Janet and I knew each other at the Merola program at San Francisco Opera, and that's where right. we first met. I believe that was the summer of 1987. So oh. I haven't known her quite as long as you have. Janet is one of the finest people I have ever met. We were talking about her yesterday, you and I, about yeah. what a faithful friend she is, what a positive influence on our individual Enjoyed lives lives have been so transformative.
1: Absolutely. I can only second that. And third it and fourth it and fifth it. She has been, as I stated yesterday, a constant in my life since we met I feel very honored and privileged to have such an exquisite friend.
0: Now, this episode that we're hearing is one of the very first episodes that I ever posted of the podcast, and I preceded that with a three-part interview with Janet in which she spoke so wonderfully about her own experience as a performer, her beginnings, her whole career, and then moving on to her career as a very successful teacher. For people who want to hear more about Janet, that is a way to get a further introduction to her. This episode is a wonderful addendum to my Black History Month series, which featured Forgotten Divas. And I chose four singers I really wanted to foreground. And I think this is a way of seeing that series off to combine rare recordings of both Camilla, Janet's teacher and of Janet herself. And she provided me for the most part with these live recordings from opera performances, from concerts. And I felt so honored that she would bestow these on me. You and I were talking about this yesterday. There are two African-American singers who so imprinted upon me at a very early age, Leontine Price and George Shirley. And that's one of the big reasons that I always foreground Singers of Color, because I feel like they opened an entire world to me, those two artists, and it's my way of paying tribute to them for really having given me a life in music.
1: May I interject? I want to congratulate you and commend you for what you are doing. You are not only preserving and restoring, and for lack of a better word, resuscitating, and you keep watering the plant and you keep it going. And that is fantastic that you are doing this. You do not know how important your work and your commitment is. You do it with such integrity. I think just to say, you love what you do. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. I think I'm saying that not only for myself, but think I could speak for many, many people. You've certainly brought joy into my heart when I listen to the podcast, especially the ones about the black artists, but just in general, because you do it with such with such love. I think that's what we still need. We need love. Uh,
0: and welcome back to Counter Melody, the podcast on great singers and great singing. As usual, I am your host, Daniel Guntlach. You may have noticed something a little different in our intro. This time we did not have Claudia Muzio singing the Gavotte, which is what we normally hear. This time you have heard the marvelous soprano Janet Williams, who was featured in Interview with me last week. Janet has provided me with a cache of her private recordings. I have decided to present a cross-section of the recordings that she has generously offered to let me use, as well as a selection of recordings by her beloved teacher, Camilla Williams. today's episode I was particularly touched to note that October 18th was Camilla Williams's birthday and she was born in the year 1919 which means that she would just have celebrated her 100th birthday. Camilla Williams is famous for many different things. She sang the role of Bess on the first semi-complete recording of Gershwin's Porgy and Bess in 1951 for the Columbia Records label. Interestingly, she began her career on the RCA radio network on a nationwide program and I found here a recording of a selection from Porgy and Bess, but not from the complete Columbia recording, but rather from five years earlier on the RCA Victor label on which she sings Summertime with Al Goodman and his orchestra. made her debut at the New York City Opera in 1946, singing the title role of Puccini's *Madama Butterfly. And her performance was a resounding success. She also sang Nedda in Pagliacci there, and Mimi in Bohème, Marguerite in Faust, and Michaela in Carmen, and the title role in Verdi's Aida. It is this last in which she is featured on an MGM Records recording alongside other members of the cast with whom she performed it at City Opera. One of her fellow singers here is the distinguished baritone Lawrence Winters, who some of you may recognize as the Porgy on that classic Columbia recording of Porgy and Bess. In this particular selection that I'm about to play for you, he and Camilla Williams portray not lovers, as Porgy and Bess are, but father and daughter, as Aida and Amonasro are, in this somewhat truncated version of the third act duet from Aida. The New York City Opera Orchestra is conducted by Lashlo Halash, who was an important mentor to Camilla Williams.
2: Rivedrai le foreste invalsa le fresche valli di nostri tempi d'or. Rivedrò
3: le foreste invalsa
2: le fresche valli i nostri
3: tempi d'or.
2: Sposa felice a lui che amasti tanto, tripodi mesi potrai gioir. Un giorno solo dissi non Orramenti oh, che a noi l'Egitto imite, le case i tempi e la repubblica trasse in ceppi, le verdi nere rapite, Madrid vecchi fanciulli ai trucinò. A oh, ben rammenta quelli pausti giorni, promettu i
3: lunghi che il mio caso frir. De-
2: Ora si desta il popolo nostro, tutto è pronto già. Vittoria vrem. Solo a saper mi resta qual sentier il nemico seguirà. E scoprirlo potrìa chi <muchas> mai? Tu stessa. Io
3: no no.
2: the city corti le La patria muore Una larva orribile war or a e faccia. Trema Trema le scarne braccia, sul Sul or
3: a war tua no. a war क्या Skiaba non non need
0: Let us return to Janet Williams for a moment. I mentioned that Lajlo Halash was the conductor of the AIDA excerpt that we just heard. Janet told me that she had also done some work with Lajlo Halash, and in fact he coached her on the aria that we are about to hear her sing, Comme autrefois, from Les Pêcheurs de Perles, The Pearl Fishers. She told me that the only comment that he gave her in coaching her on this was, take out the bumps, take out the bumps, and, well, you will hear. She really does an exquisite job with this aria. It's one of the finest performances I've ever heard of this piece. And I am a particular aficionado of French opera, as I was just taken down a little rabbit hole a few minutes ago and was reminded how much I really, really, really need to do a series in the very near future about great French opera singers. So that's coming. But in the meantime, you have the beautiful performance here of Janet Williams in Comme autrefois from Bizet's Pearlfishes. Staying with a French repertoire, but moving from opera to melody, I would like to present Janet singing the Francis Poulenc song C, which is certainly one of his most exquisite creations. It is a war song, which refers specifically to the destruction of the so-called bridges of C, or les ponts de C by the Germans in 1940. This was also the site of the defeat of the Gauls by the Romans in 51 BC, and these are ancient bridges which are being discussed. Every line of the poem by Louis Aragon ends with the syllable C. J'ai traversé les ponts de C. C C'est là que tout a commencé. I have crossed the bridges of C. That's where everything began. The poem ends with the words, Oh ma France, oh ma délicée, j'ai traversé les ponts de Cé. Oh my France, my poor, abandoned one, I've crossed the bridges of sea. I believe it's from that same recital from January 1989 that Janet also sang the wonderful Schubert extended song Der Hirte auf dem Felsen it's in three sections I'm going to offer a portion of the melancholy central section of the piece as well as the joyous conclusion this depicts a shepherd on the rock singing and hearing his, his voice echo in the final section he excitedly awaits the coming of spring there's also a clarinet which you will hear A significant part of Camilla Williams' career was occupied with performances of art song. I had mentioned the AIDA recording that had come out on MGM Records. MGM Records also featured her in two 10-inch LP releases, one of a Camilla Williams recital and the other, of spirituals. So I'm going to offer you a few snatches from the Camilla Williams recital. I'm quoting here from the liner notes on the back of the LP. The songs presented here were selected from programs prepared for Miss Williams's recitals of the 1951-52 season. We'll begin with Debussy's Beaussoir, which I excerpted in the previous episode. This time you get to hear the whole thing.
3: L'ascosole couche les rivières et de fruits son sur les champs de blé. show
0: Single selection on this recording is exquisite, but I'm only going to offer you a handful at this point. So the next song is by Leo delib of Lacme fame and that horrible uh, duet, Sur le Domipé, which we are not going to hear today or ever on this podcast. Anyway, the song we are going to hear right now is called Eglogue. An invisible flute sighs among the trees. The most peaceful song is that of the shepherd. That no care may torment thee, let us love forever. The most beautiful song is the lovers. Lover of the songs and operas and, of course, orchestral works of Ottorino Respighi. On Camilla's MGM Records recital, she included two songs of Respighi, one Crepuscolo from the Deita Silvane cycle, and the other Pioggia or Rain. Again, I am cheating by reading the translation from the back of the album cover. It had been raining through the open window by some respite of insistent passion came cool odors of freshening grass and flowers. Under the veil of the longed-for shower, the tumult of colors grew quiet. Ah, I thought to be a tree, a leaf, a star, and in the anguish of Passion to receive such great relief from heaven. Reclining on the windowsill, I watched the bushes, the flowers, the grass, and the rain beat down on my head.
3: Sort and the result, if you
0: from the Camilla Williams recital that I'm going to offer to you is a song by Celius Dougherty called The Key, spelled K-apostrophe-E. It's evidently the name of a Chinese river. If Celius Dougherty is remembered at all today, it's as the composer of certain novelty songs such as Love in the Dictionary. That are still, I think, occasionally programmed. But in the case of this song, he writes a much more serious and really heartrending piece. Now, I could really get waylaid by talking about Celius Dougherty right now. He lived from 1902 to 1986, and apart from being a composer, he was a very distinguished accompanist. He accompanied people like Alexander Kipnis, Florence Easton, Richard Crooks, Edward Johnson, Greta Stückgold, Paula Frisch, the Danish recitalist with... Almost no voice, but a fascinating communicative ability. In 1940, Celia Stowarty made a series of recordings for the Shermer label with the Russian Ukrainian soprano Nina Koshets, who by that point was in vocal decline. Nevertheless, Koshets had concertized with Rachmaninoff earlier in her life, so these recordings are of particular interest and value, it's clear that I'm going to have to do an upcoming episode on this singer as well. This is the text of the song that we are about to hear, The Key. The key still ripples to its banks, the more foul cry. My hair was gathered in a knot, and you came by, selling of silks you were, a lad not of our kin. You passed at sunset on the road from far off Tyne. The frogs were croaking in the dust. The grass was wet. We talked together and I laughed. I hear it yet. I thought that I would be your wife. I had your word. And so I took the road with you and crossed the ford. I do not know when first it was. Your eyes looked cold. But all this was three years ago. And I am old. (laughs) Thank you. Just today, I was listening to the remainder of the interview with Janet. It's sheer delight. We talk quite a bit about her performances in Baroque opera. The Ground Cleopatra Cesare, which I played at the beginning of the interview with her last week. She also talks quite a bit about her handle roles. I'd like to offer you two Selections from her assumption of the role of Semele. These are from a live video. I believe it's from the Berliner Staatsoper. I had a little clip of her doing myself, I shall adore, last week as a sort of amusing commentary to her describing her first encounter with Camilla. Enjoy this little bit of coloratura preening slash self adoration as revealed by Janet's impersonation of the character of Semele. And now an absolutely stunning rendition of O Sleep, Why Dost Thou Leave Me? My regular listeners may remember a studio recording I posted a few weeks ago of the distinguished African American soprano Dorothy Maynor singing the same piece. You'll notice the style of execution is very different, but these are equally exquisite versions. late again with telling all kinds of stories. I'm not going to tell any stories right now. Apart from her pathbreaking and historic debut with the New York City Opera, Camilla also was a very distinguished recitalist and was on the Community Concert Series, as Janet mentioned in the interview last week. I'm looking at the back of the Camilla Williams Sings Spirituals album, which does not exist anywhere on the internet. She offers eight incredible incredible performances of spirituals here. I'm going to offer four of those eight spirituals, in other words, half of the entire album. I want you guys to get a chance to hear these beautiful performances. So there is a quote on the back of the record jacket from the Chicago Daily News after a concert. Actually, her debut with the Chicago Symphony Orchestra. In Paris, at the time of the Second Empire, the students would have unhitched the horses from her carriage and themselves pulled Camilla Williams through the streets. Last night's audience at Orchestra Hall fell little short of that in their extravagant greeting of the young Negro (laughs) soprano just got to always throw that word in there. Well, you know, you have to consider the time. She was exceptional on her own terms, but of course she was always being taken as a representative of her race. I have decided in listening to both Camilla and Janet in their performances of spirituals that I'm going to have to do an episode on spirituals. They're some of my favorite music. (laughs) Sometimes
3: I think I'm ready to drink.
0: Next up is Hold On, as in keep your hand on the plow, hold on. If you
3: want to get to heaven, I'll tell you how. Just keep your hand on the gospel plow. Keep your hand on that plow and hold.
0: that I'm going to play for you is called When I'm Done. It's a beautiful one, which I don't believe I had ever encountered before. one I'm going to play for you today is Oh, What a Beautiful City. Janet specifically asked me to play this one because evidently it was a real favorite of Camilla's. In my research the past couple days, I discovered something very interesting. I knew that the great Geraldine Farrar had been an audience member at a performance that Camilla gave and became a real advocate for her, and in fact opened a lot of doors for her, including getting Camilla her first Record contract with the RCA Victor label. Now, at the beginning of this episode, I played you a recording of her singing Summertime, but evidently, according to somewhere I was reading today, one of her obituaries or something, she evidently also recorded Oh What a Beautiful City for RCA Victor on a 78. That's not the same recording that I'm offering here. It's evidently quite rare, but if I ever do get my hands on it. I will be thrilled to share it with you. In the meantime, here is the final selection from Camilla Williams, Sing Spirituals on the MGM label, Oh What a Beautiful City. things that Janet and I talk about in the next segment of our interview is a concert that she gave in her hometown of Detroit to help raise money for her when she went to Paris to study with the great Régine Crespin. Happily a recording of that January 1989 recital was made and I have used several tracks of it in today's podcast. The C of Pula came from there the Hirt auf dem Felsen the Alleluia from the exultation that I played last week, and also the gavotte from Manon that opened our program. Then she did a group of spirituals at the end. And, okay, I was listening to these the other morning, and I'm going to start to cry just talking about it. I'm quite sure I could never have heard this piece before. It's evidently an arrangement by the great composer Undine Smith-Moore, of a spiritual called Watch and Pray. It's a dialogue between a child and her mother about the master who's going to sell them the next day and they'll be separated. I don't want to politicize this. Well, I do. I'll politicize it. I don't care. When I think about children being separated from their parents. And what a hideous, heinous history of that in our country. The separating of families who were being held as slaves and now children being separated at the border of my own country. I just had the ugliest cry imaginable. Listen to Janet's performance of this. I can't. You just gotta hear it, so listen. Thank you. like we have to end with something happy because that was just so devastating and janet clearly had the same idea because she ended her program with ride on king jesus because I spent so much of my life as an accompanist I like to make sure that those who provided collaborative support for the singers receive proper mention. In the case of Janet's recital in Detroit, her collaborators were Lawrence Guy at the piano and Stephen Millen, the clarinetist in Der Hirt auf dem Felsen. In the case of all of the Camilla recordings that we listened to, her collaborator was the Romanian pianist Boris Bazala. A little footnote to this, at the end of Boris's life after the death of his wife, he and Camilla lived together in platonic bliss. In fact, they were featured together in a PBS special called The Mystery of Love from the year 2006 in a segment called Love and Friendship, which was produced by, of all people, Amy Goodman of Democracy Now!, and she had a few words to say. Working with Camilla and Boris was inspiring. Together, they have a palpable chemistry. Like long time married couples or close siblings, the two of them speak a private language with subtle physical movements and tones of voice. Their love takes the form of friendship based on shared history, easy companionship, and most of all, a deep artistic collaboration. Camilla and Boris remind me that friendship and all love is a creative enterprise born of passion and spark needing cultivation to survive for them and for me friendship is also about comfort identity and feeling less alone in the world i hope that as i age i have such long-lasting friendships that enrich the present and remind me of the past when we come back next week i hope to have the second segment of the interview with janet prepared and ready to go we speak about, well, the time that we spent together in the Marilla Opera program and then how things progressed for both of us, actually, beyond that point. So I look forward to bringing you more of the marvelous Janet Williams. And happy belated birthday to you, Camilla Williams, trailblazer, great singer, dedicated teacher, civil rights icon. We all owe you so much. Thank you. As always, I want to thank my composer friend Alan Segal for the beautiful music that he has provided for our underscoring. I'd like to thank Steve Robinson, who has been lending me production assistance from afar and has helped me get each episode out to you in a timely manner. He's also provided me with so much insight and input from his many years of experience in the public radio business, so really his help has been invaluable. And as always, I extend my deepest gratitude to you, my listeners. I look forward to spending time with you again next week. so choked up.